You're listening to the Boss Yourself First podcast, Season 1, Episode 9. If you want to be an effective leader, the first person you want to lead effectively is yourself. Self-leadership helps you create better relationships and a more fulfilling life, and in turn, lead others in a more authentic and impactful way. If this piques your interest, then stick around. I'm Robin White, your host, and this is Boss Yourself First. Hello, friends. I hope you're having a fantastic day, and I hope you're taking really good care of yourself. Thank you for being here. I'm really excited about this episode because today we get into the back half of our emotional agility definition. We've been talking about emotional agility for the whole season, and we're finally moving into that back portion, and I want to remind you of the definition that we're working with. Emotional agility is the ability to nimbly process our emotions to adjust or maintain thoughts and behaviors that align with our values and goals. We're moving into the adjust or maintain part of that definition, and I think it's my favorite part because I like control, and this feels a little bit like getting control, where sometimes when we're talking about emotions, control is not exactly what comes to mind. Often it feels like control is swept away by emotions. I'm also really excited about today because I get to share some of the content I've been working on for my book, which will hopefully be available in the spring. I have so much admiration and respect for those of you putting your content out into the world. It is a labor of love, love and grit, and maybe just some sheer stubbornness. Okay, I hope you've been listening along for the whole season, but just in case this is your first time with us, first of all, thanks. (laughs) Thanks for being here. And second of all, I want to catch you up. Or as Inigo Montoya would say, let me sum up. And if you didn't catch that reference, it's a little, and if you didn't catch that reference, it will be listed on the page for this episode in the podcast section of the Boss Yourself First website. It'll be fun. It's like a little game. Okay, back to summing up. So far this season, we have built our emotional literacy, which means we can recognize our emotions when they show up and how we experience those emotions in our bodies. We can accurately label those emotions for what they are and not who we are. Meaning, we don't say, I'm stressed, because I'm not stressed. I'm a human experiencing stress. The sum total of my being is not stress. But part of my life is eliciting the experience of stress. I know that sounds like semantics. But what we've been learning this season is that our language matters. Especially when we're talking to ourselves. In building these skills, we're learning how to step out and observe our experiences, taking us out of reactive mode and into choosing a response. Today, we're stepping back in and moving forward into those responses. In my work, I take my clients through an emotions framework that fits nicely with our emotional agility topic, and so that's why I'm pulling it out of my book and plugging it in here because I really want to share it with you, and I don't want to wait all the way until next spring. 
So for this framework, we start with awareness, which you can do now with your brand new emotional literacy skills. What are the emotions? How am I experiencing them? And how strong are they? The next step of the framework after awareness is what I call allow plus. The first part is allowing the emotions and staying out of judgment. And we've talked about this in the season, how we stay out of judgment by exercising self-compassion and engaging curiosity. For example, I'm feeling fear and sadness right now. That must mean that I'm human and alive. And well, isn't that interesting? Since I'm human, I know that I can hold many emotions about the same circumstance. So I wonder what other emotion I could hold right now. That's allow plus. So you're allowing it and you're open to adding another strong emotion alongside. Then we move into the analyze phase. What are the facts of this circumstance that surrounds these emotions? What are my thoughts around that circumstance? And back to that plus part, what other powerful emotions could I hold right now alongside? As we said earlier, we use that example of fear and sadness. What other powerful emotion could come alongside fear and sadness that would serve me better? Then we move on from analyze to the next phase, which is adjust. What thoughts help me lean into that powerful emotion? And the last step of the framework is ACT, A-C-T, ACT. What actions support my adjusted emotions? Now I know that I ran through that really quickly and I'm going to unpack it now so that it hopefully will make a little more sense and together we'll have an example and we'll take it apart and you'll see how it looks in action. Here's the example and this happened not too long ago. This would be this fall and I bet a lot of you experienced something similar. My youngest daughter is a high school senior, and in her school, in our county, they are utilizing an in-person online hybrid approach to this pandemic academic year. So that means that she learns online two days a week and attends class in person two days a week. Well, when the first day of in-person classes arrived, I experienced a lot of emotions. You might have heard the expression of having mixed emotions. Well, it's an expression for a reason, because it's true. I felt anxious. During this pandemic, we, our family, have been pretty cautious because of some of my pre-existing health conditions. And we have quarantined and masked and cleaned and socially distanced and all the things. We have done all the things. And now here I was sending my girl out into the scary COVID-infested world. And alongside that anxiety, I felt fear. What if she caught it and brought it home? What if everyone sheltering in our house caught it, and then we spread it to the grandparents and elderly neighbors? Should we have chosen an online route? I felt grief. We've lost all the normal, exciting milestones a senior in high school should be experiencing. So that's a lot of emotions, a lot of really uncomfortable emotions, and really powerful emotions. Now, without the skills that we've been working on this season, and honestly, skills that I've been working on with myself and my clients for quite some time, I could easily have been overwhelmed and shifted into reaction mode, pull my kid back in the house and call the school to set up online learning. 
And I'm not saying that online learning would have been the wrong choice, but making that choice as a reaction to overwhelming emotions is very different from responding with that choice after reflection and conversation and thought and research. Then choosing online learning is a chosen response instead of an emotional reaction. Remember, that's part of our agility. Increasing that space between stimulus and response. Here's what going through the framework helped me do in that situation. When faced with the powerful emotions of anxiety, fear, and grief, instead of resisting those emotions, remember, what we resist persists, I allow those emotions and I ask myself what other powerful emotion can join this human emotion party going on inside of me. By opening myself up to allowing another powerful emotion, I move into the next level of the framework, which is analyzing. Noticing the circumstances while looking for another powerful emotion that could join the ones that are already showing up. Okay, the circumstance here was my daughter was going to school in a pandemic. My thoughts were all about what could go wrong. And just so you know, that is normal operating procedures for our brains. Our brains are wired to automatically, and don't miss that word automatically, without any effort on my part or your part, our brains are automatically wired to look for threats. Threat assessment is one of our brain's dominant functions. In knowing this, as I analyze what's going on, that it's normal and it's human, and my brain is going to look for what's going wrong. This doesn't mean that I just ignore the things that could go wrong, but they're not really serving or supporting me as they are helping support my uncomfortable emotions. The question I found most helpful for myself and for my clients, and it's going to seem really simple, and it is, but it has to be intentional, the question is, what's going right? This takes effort. My brain is not going to automatically tell me what's going right. It's busy expending energy trying to keep me safe by telling me what's going wrong. But when I intentionally set my brain to look for what's going right, I notice my child's smile, her excitement to get back to in-person learning. She has amazing teachers, and she's missed them. She gets to reconnect with them today and all those classmates that she hasn't seen since last spring. She loves driving herself to school, and she's getting to do that. It's those going right thoughts that help me recognize another powerful emotion. You know what showed up? Proud. I'm so proud of my daughter. I'm so proud of her. As she smiles and waves, she loves learning. She's confident and brave, even though I know that's not the only emotion she's experiencing at the moment. But I leaned in to the emotion of proud. Now fear, anxiety, and grief were still with me, but they were quieter. As she drove away to head for school, I leaned into that emotion, the emotion of proud, by replaying those thoughts and reminding myself that this is a rich life, which brought another powerful emotion forward, gratitude. And this moves me into the adjusting phase of the framework. When I realized that proud felt better and even had the power to move me closer to responding than reacting, 
I'm more fully adjusted to sustain that as my dominant emotion by feeding it a steady dose of thoughts about what else I'm proud of. First about her, my daughter, because that was easy. I was already in that spot. And then I went looking for other things that I was proud about. And it showed me, in a little bit of a circular action, other things that were going right. One right thing, and one thing I was proud about, was how we as a family had been dealing with this strange circumstance of a pandemic. We had fun together. And it wasn't all sunshine and roses, but for the most part, we were having time together I wasn't sure we ever would have again. My college-age daughter came home after graduating instead of going off to another job or grad school. Even though we didn't get to have my oldest daughter and son-in-law and grandsons, my two younger daughters were together for both of their birthdays. I didn't know that would ever happen again. That was going right. Then I kept going with those thoughts. What else was going right? What else was I proud about? And I thought about our school faculty and staff. They are being so thoughtful and careful and brave teaching our children through a pandemic. I thought about how our neighbors have responded and cared for each other, picking up groceries for seniors so they didn't have to be in the stores. I thought about how many good stories I'd heard about other humans stepping up to pivot their businesses and keep them afloat and hang on to those employees instead of laying them off. I also thought about a friend of mine who is taking voluntary time off to allow others to work who need the income more. That proud emotion continued to generate gratitude for all of the thoughts about these people doing courageous and kind things. At this point, I no longer felt overwhelmed by emotion and continuing to the final step of the framework action. What actions would support my adjusted emotions? What action supports gratitude? For me, a couple of things came up. I spent a little time in prayer telling God thanks for all these good things he created. And then I took some time planning to have my daughter's favorite lunch ready when she came home. Feeling energized, I could then move into my day's work from a place of gratitude. And the actions that come from a place of gratitude are kind and courageous. Please keep in mind that I have quite a bit of practice with this, and it's still not always easy. In fact, sometimes it feels really, really hard, because I could have continued to dwell on what was going wrong. My brain was there without any effort from me, and I could have fed those uncomfortable emotions by continuing with those thoughts of all that's going wrong. And this is a process that takes practice, but also keep in mind that if you've been following our podcast series, you've done quite a bit of this work. Remember, in this process, you're not going for mastery, you're celebrating progress. You've made a good start at recognizing your emotions, and if you haven't done that, then start there. Focus on awareness, not change. Don't rush to adjust and skip over awareness. We've talked about the value that awareness creates, even if that's the only step you take on. If you feel you've gotten pretty skilled with awareness, then move on to allow plus. We've also done some of the work in allowing and the analyzing steps. When you learn to decode those emotions and ask why they showed up without judgment, judgment just shuts down the process. The next step in the framework is allow plus. Working on allow plus is a practice, just as each of these steps are. What does the practice look like? Well, the next time a strong emotion shows up, ask yourself what other powerful emotion could you hold 
alongside the ones threatening to overwhelm you. Remember, you can do it. It's the beautiful superpower of humanity, that ability to hold more than one emotion about the same circumstance. Once you're able to allow plus, then move on to analyze. Look intentionally about what's going right in the circumstance. While you're focusing on what's going right, watch for the powerful emotions that focusing on that brings and then adjust, moving into that next phase, to lean into that emotion, knowing that your feelings follow your focus. Now, just to clarify, leaning into a different emotion doesn't deny the things that are going wrong or the uncomfortable emotions. We're just letting them quiet down and giving another emotion a voice. And the last step is act. Act in a way that supports and is supported by the adjusted emotion. Every step of this process has its own rewards. I'm literally taking a page out of my book and sharing it with you. I'd love to hear your takeaways from our episode today. And I'll share the framework with you on the page for this episode in the podcast section of the Boss Yourself First website. I know I've handed you a lot of information today. So re-listen, check out the framework on the website, and sort of pick your spot where you want to start to work. Grab hold of what works for you and what feels most approachable to you. I really do want to hear about your process and your progress in the things we've talked about today. So find me on Facebook or email me or DM me on Instagram. And on our next solo episode, you and I will be talking about aligning our habits with our values and that values information that's come from our emotions so that we can be more agile as we process our emotions and choose our responses. I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope you are too. Until then, everybody, take care. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found something to grab hold of and apply in your life. As always, any link or information mentioned in this episode can be found at bossyourselffirst.com in the podcast section. And if we haven't connected yet, and I would love to, DM me on Instagram at Boss Yourself First or come to the Boss Yourself First Facebook page and let me know how you're doing and what you think. I would really love to meet you. Thanks for being here and being you. Now get out there and lead with courage and kindness and boss yourself first and add your amazingness to the world. We sure need it. Talk to you soon, my friends.